A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings glad tidings, announcing peace, bearing good news, announcing salvation, and saying to Zion, your God is king. Hark, your sinless raise a cry, together they shout for joy, for they see directly before their eyes the Lord restoring Zion. Break out together in song, O ruins of Jerusalem, for the Lord comforts his people. He redeems Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm in the sight of all the nations. All the ends of the earth will behold the salvation of our God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. song for he has done wondrous deeds his right hand has won victory for him his holy arm the Lord has made his salvation known in the sight of the nations he has revealed his justice he has remembered his kindness and his faithfulness toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the saving power of God. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation by our God. Sing joyfully to the Lord all your lands. Break into song, sing praise. All the ends of the earth have seen the saving power of God. Sing praise to the Lord with a harp, with a harp and melodious song, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Sing joyfully before the King, the Lord. All the ends of the earth have seen the saving power of God. A, a reading from the beginning of the letter to the Hebrews. Brothers and sisters, in times past, God spoke in partial in various ways to our ancestors through the prophets. In these days, he has spoken to us through the Son, whom he made heir of all things and through whom he created the universe, who is the refulgence of his glory, the very imprint of his being, who sustains all things by his mighty word. When he had accomplished purification from sins, 
He took his seat at the right hand of the majesty on high, as far superior to the angels, as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels God ever did say, You are my son, this day I have begotten you. Or again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. And again, when he leads the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all the angels of God worship him. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Gospel according to John. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came to be through him, and without him nothing came to be. What came to be through him was life, and this life was the light of the human race. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. A man named John was sent from God. He came for testimony, to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to testify to the light. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came to be through him. But the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, but his own people did not accept him. But to those who did accept him, he gave power to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not by natural generation, nor by human choice, nor by a man's decision, but of God. And the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we saw his glory, the glory as of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, The one who is coming after me ranks ahead of me, 
because he existed before me. From his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace, because while the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only Son, God, who is at the Father's side, has revealed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Recently, in New Orleans, uh, these two businessmen, longtime friends, two executives, who worked in downtown New Orleans in what's been called the business district around St. Charles and Carondelet Common, even a little bit off of or toward Poydras. And it was the noon hour, and they were off for their uh, usual power lunch. Uh, And they were discussing as they walked uh, down St. Charles, They were discussing the business affairs of the day and where their companies were going and so on and so forth. And as they were walking along, next to one of the trash cans, which is put out there. Now, it's a bit of a misnomer because the trash can in New Orleans is usually the cleanest place uh, to be around and the street is something else, but let's leave that aside. they noticed that there was a man propped up against it, partly in the curb and partly on the sidewalk, leaning against the can. He was, I suppose we would call, a derelict kind of person. Badly dressed, bleary eyes, in a low level of consciousness and so on, kind of mumbling to himself, etc. And as the other people were, they passed him by, and one of the men said to the other, wait a minute, I don't think it is, but can that be David? He says, David, where, where? He said, that guy, propped up against the garbage can there. He said, of course not. And he walked and he said, no, I think it was David. And so they turned around. One guy is exasperated. The other guy is kind of in disbelief. And they go back and they look at him. And the fellow says, It is David. It is David. He was a big executive at such and such a company, which I won't name. And the other fellow says, how did he get this way? And the other guy, after a moment, said, I guess it's because he reached so high that he fell so far. He reached so high 
and he fell so far. And yet, isn't that the story in lesser degrees of many people today, especially in our culture and society? Many people today live by the ethic of the sharper elbow, climbing the ladder of the pyramid to get to the top, the top rung, to be at the top of the hierarchical level. And whatever it takes, whatever sacrifices have to be made, it is that struggling ascent that defines so much of life today. Um, the great and influential psychiatrist of the last century, Eric Fromm, asked a very poignant question. He said, if I am what I have, if I am what I have, and all that I have is taken from me, what then am I? And the answer is obvious, you're nothing. As St. Uh, John Paul said, we cannot define our being by our having because our having is temporal and our being is eternal. And that's a very, very important lesson for us, I think. Because at the basis of the incarnation and why we gather in this church on a Monday morning to celebrate the nativity of our Lord is because we witness the complete reversal of that approach to life and that ethic. Because in the incarnation, it is not struggling ascent it is loving descent. It is loving descent. Because the God who lives in unapproachable light, the word through whom all is made, the foundation of all being, the one that for the past 20, 25 minutes, we have been singing and exalting as king Divine, the word that carries the imprint of everything on. Is it, you can say, well, isn't that struggling ascent? I mean, my goodness, we're singing all these songs and all these praises of the king that comes and so on. Except when we read a little bit further in the prologue, Chapter 1, verse 14, and the Word becomes flesh. The Word becomes flesh and dwelt amongst us. Now, that's a very bad translation from the Greek, dwelt amongst us. It's not, it's not a really proper translation. The proper translation is... He pitched his tent among us. He pitched his tent among us because tent is so important for connecting with the Old Testament. For God 
is in the tent with the Israelites. The tent is the symbol in the Old Testament of God's presence. And therefore, if you want to understand, if you want to understand God's presence from the perspective of the Old Testament, God is in his tent. And do you want to know and see and experience God? He pitched his tent amongst us and became our flesh. And where is that flesh pitched? In the most definitive and revelatory way. In that crib in Bethlehem. In that place in the stable because there's no room in the inn. And he comes into his own and his own receive him not. It is in the poverty of those conditions. It is in the poverty of our own being, marred by sin, Jesus Christ enters to love, heal, and forgive. There's only a love that is totally and completely committed to us can achieve. Our God is not an aseptic God not a safe, little, comfy, cozy God who says, I love you, now here's some grace, now go ahead and get away from me. Don't, be, don't bother me. Which is very easy to do. Someone wants something, so we give it to them. Whew, glad that's over with. God is entering into our flesh is the glasses through which we understand what it means for Jesus Christ to be king, to be Lord, to be savior. Because God does not save at a distance, but he enters into the poverty of our condition, into the stable of our lives, takes that upon himself to bring that healing that touches us at the very heart of our being. Not a cosmetic healing, not some esoterica or clearasil or something like that on your face or your hands. But it is a healing that comes from being one with us. And it is the wood of the crib that gives way to the wood of the cross. For God is not only with us, Emmanuel, but God is for us. Not because of our merit, not because of our goodness or our virtue or our holiness. It's because of our profound need. For in Jesus Christ in the crib, we have the beginning of the revelation of what it means to be a fully alive, fully fulfilled human being. Not in the ideology of struggling ascent of the ladder or of the pyramid, but in the loving descent, 
into our humanity and the humanity of others. How many, for example, work 60, 70, 80 hours a week and come home to a house full of strangers? Oh, you have a house, but is it a home? You share the same address, but do you share life together? Always so focused by the ethic of the sharper elbow. Don't let them get ahead. Don't be a doormat. Meekness is weakness. And the real beatitude is the meek will inherit the dirt, not the earth. And so that's the ethic by which we live. Often lonely and friendless at the end but that's the way in which we live. Or do we risk what God risked? And let's be clear about this. The incarnation and this day is a risk. It's a risk on the order of God giving us freedom. Do you realize what a risk that was? What a risk God took in giving us freedom? Because you and I have the power to say no to God. No, not your will, but mine be done. Not your way, but my way. And no thanks, I'm not interested in your version of good news. I much prefer the good news from some other source. And yet God comes again and again and again not as a coercive agent, not as a tyrant, not as some kind of Mideastern potentate, not as the FBI kicking down your door. He comes with persuasive love, patient love, again and again, hoping that we will respond to his invitation. Never by force, but only by persuasion, the most powerful of all persuasion, the persuasion of love. You can force people to do a lot of things. You can force people to be together in the same place. You can force them and coerce them to perform certain behavior. You can never force them to love you because if it's forced, it's not love. It's nowhere near love. Because the letter of John tells us, where there is that perfect love, all fear is driven out. Fear is at the basis of so much of our hatred and violence and division. We're afraid and suspicious. How much of our, motive, of our behavior is motivated by those who engineer fear. And when we are fearful, we draw in on ourselves. We become defensive. We seek our groups. We seek the shelter. And others are looked upon, not simply as other, but as threats.
in danger. Remember St. Paul's magnificent letter to the Romans, probably one of the greatest pieces of spiritual literature written, that while we were yet enemies of God, and I want to stress the word because that's, that's the correct translation, because while we were yet enemies of God through sin, he did not hold our transgressions against us, but loved us, forgave us, and entered into us. While we were yet enemies of God, why? Because we needed a friend. We needed a real friend. And God enters into that. Now, you may be sitting here this morning and you say, well, I really would like to approach the crib and all that sounds kind of good. I'm not really buying into it, but you know, it has some merit. Um, but I really can't approach the crib because I don't have anything to give. I see a whole bunch of other people, they come to the crib and their sacks are full. It's full with all kind of stuff that they're going to give to the child Jesus. They have their achievements, their testimonials, their diplomas. They have their 401k, that's now a 410. They have all the acclaim and they're going to present that. Here, I'm going to give this to you, Lord. And there, we can find ourselves at times with a sack that's as flat as the proverbial pancake. And if we dare go into the crib, the, 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 the shelter, the cave, and we look around a bit because the Blessed Mother and Joseph are waving us in with our flat pancake pouch. We notice in the corner of the stable all kinds of flat bags, empty, piled up all empty, but all distinctively unique, particular. And we begin to realize that that's really the bag that Jesus wants. Come in with your empty bag. Why? Because unlike the world, there's room for me. But if our bags are too big with ourselves and all that we have done in our struggling ascent and our sharper elbows and our bags are bulging with stuff, we're asked, where is there room in our bag? Where is the room 
for the Christ child to be born? Well, there is none because it's crowded with our stuff. It's when we come in our poverty, when we come in our poverty, that the Christ child can be our riches. When we come in our weakness, it's when God can be strong. It's when we become in our brokenness that we can be healed at the broken places by divine love. So if you find yourself this morning saying, I have nothing to give, my bag is flat like that, now is the acceptable time, now is the day of presenting yourself. You're just the kind that God is looking for because he sent his son in the flesh to fill up your heart, to spruce up the stable of your life, that Jesus may be born in you and you may truly be reborn and live in him. For our being fully alive is the glory of God and it is the celebration of the one who is light and life. God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.